0: This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod
1: Mbele. A very good evening to everyone and welcome to tonight's edition of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele. As always, I'm delighted to be in your company. Uh, last week, have we had an exceptional week in that we have seen um, the burial of um, a political stalwart Winnie Mandela, and we also learned sadly that uh, that Pem um, Golden has passed on. And of course, um, and as as if that was not enough, uh, we also learned of uh, Doctor Zolaskwaya's uh, uh, passing. Um, it has been. A, a terrible week for South African. Um, just a quick reflection on 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 the funeral speeches. I was quite, um, you know, I was quite uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, pleased rather to see how you know some of the speeches. You know, uh, others were more grandstanding, but others were more emotionally charged and driven, uh, and and evoke seriousness about the the, the passing of Winnie. Of mm-hmm. all the speeches that I thoroughly enjoyed, if there's anything to enjoy at that level, I suppose we can because we're celebrating, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, it's this speech by uh, Zinzi Mandela. Um, uh, uh, Zenani Zenani I beg your pardon uh, tribute to her mom I think it was very moving uh, because she did a very you know interesting juxtaposition between the two parents you know Mm. that they both complimented each other but how outside world have seen them Mm. almost like seen them as individual entities who happen to be fighting Mm. But anyway, uh, tonight is not about that. It was my own, uh, you know, quick <laughs> reflection of the week that was. Uh, as as a, as a norm, let me acknowledge my predecessor. Thank you, Benji, for giving the precursor to the show tonight. Uh, Sasha Star uh, Hilton, as well as Vusi, who has just left. Um, and tonight I'm not flying solo I always have Tabo, Who uh, will be navigating the, the, the buttons here uh, Constantly reminding us that we need to pay bills uh, Tabo, good evening um, and, and it's always nice to have you For those that have missed our show last week I implore you to visit our website uh, Go to uh, www.highfm.com And look at the podcast Retrieve it and tell me what your thoughts are It's quite useful to get to know Or to know uh, some of your views around uh the previous stuff and, and, and throw them in. Uh your 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 thoughts are welcome at uh at three four five one uh one nine five that's our SMS line. Of course uh, your my email address is Nimrod at high uh Fm um, I'm not, Tonight I've brought two special individuals which I think will absolutely make uh, tonight's conversation on two issues very interesting. The first issue is going to be the envoy that the president um, introduced on Monday as he took off to London. And the second issue is the, you know, um, baffling uh, and intriguing, um, you know, uh, evolution of some issues around standoff. Um, we have uh, in our midst tonight, uh, Joanne Matheson. Uh John, good evening and welcome.
2: Thank you, Namrod. Thank you for having me.
1: It's always a pleasure to have you on board. I mean, I'm mean, i sure our listeners are now accustomed to this voice and they really, really value your input. And uh, over and above, and above <laughs> that, I also have Mr <laughs> Justice Ndabo, who also is a regular contributor to the show. Mr Ndaba, good evening to you as well.
0: Thank you, Doug. Good evening. Thank you, uh, Tabo.
1: Thank you very much. Um, the first item that I want to uh, have a quick reflection on, um, that is that of the the, the, the envoy that the president um, has established. Um, and at the first, really, it looks like a very powerful uh, team of individuals. As expected, we do want to have these kinds of um, uh, public profile, as it were. Um, but, but for me, we, we need to go beyond just, you know, uh, you know, punting names that are supposedly palatable to the public You know, uh, when you look at Trevor Manuel Everybody loves Trevor Everybody loves BBC uh, Jonas, um, you know And so on and so forth But beyond that um, There are certain fundamental questions that we need to ask ourselves uh, To say, yeah, it is well and good to go out and crowd and, and in investment To the tune of about 500 billion rands over the next five years yeah Brilliant stuff. We all like that. Um, obviously, at the at, at the back of a country that's running a deficit of, of close to uh, 195 billion, right? That's that's our current uh, deficit, as it were. But what about the regulatory environment um, that is riddled with complexities that have not been threshed out? What about the quality of education that is not in a position to produce the kinds of graduate that can take advantage of the in you know, the fourth industrial revolution um i know this is obviously a a process but something to reflect on uh what about the expropriation of land without compensation you know you go out and and wooing people in um you know these are questions that needs to be responded to firmly unequivocally. uh and what about issues around the money charter deliberations which has not been resolved you know, so you can just see there are a lot of issues that have not been resolved, um, which may potentially undermine the envoy that is scattered throughout the world to clouding investment. Let me take that uh, a, a first point from Justice here because I don't know Naba. I mean, I, I before the show, I was like, I mean, uh, when you look at policy sequencing, you know, I, I almost want to give general population confidence that we've got our tax in the row. And at this point, I feel that the, the, our cut is before the horse, you know, in view of the, some of the issues that I've raised. I don't know. Let's look for an example in Laba. Let's look at the expropriation of land without compensation. You want to come and invest? Policy-centered is a precondition for any investment. How do we resolve that issue? How do you come and invest when that particular issue has not been resolved?
0: Thank you, God, uh, Doc. Um, quite a difficult question um but i think maybe let's take a step back because um if we recall um starting from about december jan uh, the president had been outside the country quite a lot starting from davos um and back so he's really been in touch with the investment community and i think you know m- m- from that perspective there's probably has been engagements at that level already and if you look at it as well culminating in the state of the nation address which already committed to um an investment summit in october in um, i think Octo- uh, august august september so the timelines were quite tight and and therefore um it There's a lot of things that have happened with quite a lot of speed. The land issue, if you take it outside, um, there has been confirmations to say, look, we will try and do this within the context of the constitutional framework. But I agree with you, there's no certainty at this point on that one. But take that away, uh, because there's a process that will be involved. I'm happy to also note that the parliamentary process has, has started with the the committee starting now with the and they've opened up for the public debate. So at least he can they can go back. The special invoice can go back and say, look, in terms of the land issue, this is where we are at. Because remember, there was a tabling of the section twenty five issue to say, is it necessary to amend the constitution or not? So that process is to consider that, to look at the property law. So. In that regard, they can argue that, look, in terms of certainty, the Constitution, currently as it is, does provide certainty. But in terms of the expropriation without compensation, there there is a process underway at the parliamentary level. So from that perspective, I think that um, there is an element of, of assuring the investors to say, look, Whatever it is that would happen would happen within the framework of the laws. So if you give that assurance, surely you can go out because you cannot wait until you pass because the process of passing all laws and making all certainty, it could be t- two years down the line. And if you look at that, we don't have time because the the intention of this special envoy is to go engage the investors where they are at which is asia europe the americas and invite them to come and participate in the summit so and also i think if you look at the team i mean my mind is that um there could have been other people that could have been invited but i think in this instance my sense is that he probably wanted to provide people that already the market were, was familiar with because i mean if you look at mcebisi if you look at trevor um Yako to a large extent I mean Yako is the chairperson of Liberty uh, group already and is previously with Standard Bank as CEO so these are people that the market is familiar with so there there was not much room to play with to try and get Dr Nimrod Mbele in <laughs> the market would start with who's Nimrod you know so so in that sense you would see that there was a confinement of, 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 of the process was quite tight in terms of timelines um, and making sure that by the time August comes, we're ready to host the summit. So the intention and the focus here really is to, to get the investors to come first and participate in a summit and then at the summit come up with certain um, tight assurances that says, look, if you come – and give us 1.2 trillion these are the kinds of things that we will trade back to you I
1: think well let's we'll, time will only tell but only thank you for that insight uh, Naba the other issue um, around policy certainty this is what I want to bring in Joanne here um, has got to do with the um, the mining charter which has been lingering for some time now we all know that mining is one uh, very sensitive um, and, and capital intensive uh, sector You need a lot of certainty You need a lot of money Because um, without capital intensive uh, Which happens which, which is likely to be more fairness You, you need to provide that less space um, with, with some level of certainty We haven't really got that mm. um, And again it begs the question Do you need to put the cart before the horse Your take on that
2: I think the question of policy uncertainty is even bigger uh, than we've discussed so far because... We don't even know whether uh, President Ramaphosa's views are going to carry the day. There's so much divisiveness amongst the ANC itself and the influence of the EFF in particular, which seems to be having an impact on the policies of the ANC. We don't know where it's going. So while I don't for one doubt for one second, doubt the sincerity of our president in wanting to do the right thing within the frame of the law, I still have an uncomfortable feeling that the process might get out of control. I mean, you see that in America with Trump. I think when the Republican Party appointed him, they thought they could control him. And he's out of control. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I... We're at an earlier stage of a possible unravelling like that, which I sincerely won't happen, because Cyril is certainly a much more considered process. But I don't think we have any certainty of where these things could play out. I mean, if you come back to your question on the mining charter, Originally, Gwedi Mantasha said this would be sorted out quickly and we'll throw it out and start from scratch. Within a couple of weeks, he had backtracked on all that and said we're going to tweak it. And once empowered, always empowered, no, I don't think that's going to apply anymore. And changing the threshold, he was looking at that again. So the goalposts keep moving all the time. And so even bad policy is better than policy uncertainty because you can't plan. If you can't plan, you can't put in processes to make whatever the plan and the decision is happening because the goalposts keep moving every two minutes.
1: I couldn't agree with you more there, Joanne, particularly on the issue of the magnitude of the um, consensus um, that is needed in the political space because for you to pass on any uh, policy, you know, environment You need consensus And we all know the NC is completely fractured at the moment And opposition parties, especially Voices from the far left Is becoming, is becoming more and more um, Aggressive in terms of, of It's assuming a centre stage So there's going to be a lot of bargaining Between, uh, which may also Impact on the policy The same policy that, that they would be trying to change Or, or at least address um as a basis for luring in investors. I don't know. I see Justice is nodding his head.
0: No, I disagree.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Obviously. But
0: I think the, the if uh, what what the new dispensation has brought in the mining sector for instance. I'm and I participated in, 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 in two sessions. The what they've done very well now is the there has been sessions on consensus building. For instance they put back the charter to these stakeholder forums because they've had a few stakeholder forums. And through that process there is a draft which I've seen of which totally now has almost undid the previous Zwane mm-hmm. Charter. Mm-hmm. Albeit there's numbers here and there between whether it's going to be thirty percent or it's going to be f- fifty one and so on and so forth. But a lot of the areas that were uh, quite thorny were thrashed out. If you look at the new document, I mean, I think we we need to just download it. But if you look at that document and the good, the other good thing that the sessions have done, if you in in the session that at least that I was at they isolated areas of difference. So what they've done now is they've said, look, let's not withhold everything else on the basis of... of Areas
1: of of differences. Of differences. So they've isolated those,
0: which is why they've drafted now the amendment bill. (laughs) You see? So so meaning that it allows now the bill to be processed, to be taken through a processing format. So that in itself is progress because it means now that the stakeholder groups between Labour the com- because remember part of the difficult of the previous one there were already t- interdicts from the, the community stakeholder groupings which were not involved in the previous one and so on now all of those have been removed and the charter that has been placed to be included for instance as part of the amendment bill has a support of all stakeholders albeit Isolating the areas of difference So, and I believe that the amendment bill Is going to be tabled soon in parliament Well, we'll, ju- we'll just wait
1: we'll wait and see Whether the outcome of And in the, um, fact,
0: sorry, uh, Doc If you look at the statement of the president uh, Yesterday at the airport He covered that as well okay. th- In terms of, 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 of um, areas that are key to still be sorted out You he ca- covered that quite greatly
1: okay. Notwithstanding your point which I think it makes a lot of sense mm. But obviously more work is still needed In yeah. terms of even communicating That particular resolution To general populace around which is, This is where we are as a country uh, Around the mining charter But the other concern At the policy level has got to do with the The, the, the failure To commercialize Multilateral agreements It is well and good for us to go abroad And and, and try and woo investors Um, When you look at the The Africa trade Barriers or Africa trade debacle We're currently sitting at 10%, 10 to 12% compared to to, uh, 40% in in, in Asia and 60% In Europe, surely Any strategy, and I'm not sure where the government Is at this level um, There obviously Has to be considered effort to, to, To Probe all the barriers, trade barriers, within the continent. Okay, because and again, this speaks to some of these bilateral agreements that have been signed, which in my view, most of them have not been commercialized completely. Mm. So, shouldn't be the point where we start and say, let's look at all these multi- multilateral agreements that we have signed. How many of them have seen, you know, any benefit, or we've we've derived any benefits from? Um, I don't know. But the chances are, most of these, is just, you know, um, token. I don't know. I stand to be corrected. What do you think, Joy?
2: No, uh, Nimrod, I would agree with you. I think we've lost the space to China. China is very big on the continent and has been very, very successful in investing in the in the continent. I mean, there are a lot of problems. There have been criticism that China doesn't transfer skills to the local population. But I think another area where it may be difficult to invest in Africa is the fortunes of Africa have come and gone. There was a phase where the business com- community was very excited about investing in Africa and a lot of the big names got very badly burnt and lost a lot of money and so they've pulled back. That ha- and then they've moved overseas into Europe and as you'll have seen from various reports, there's several companies like Woolworths in Australia um, that, that have not been successful overseas. So in an economy that is not growing and... Markets are looking to grow their own specific markets. I think they're struggling where they're going to find value. And at the moment in Africa, there are areas that are very promising. but. There's a sovereign risk in many of the countries, and that can change overnight. So to weigh up the opportunities and risks in each specific country, I think is a very big job and a high-risk job to make a decision.
1: On that note, we're going to check a break. You will come <laughs> back in a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Nbele. Welcome back. It is now 25 to 7. It's amazing how time flies, especially when enjoying it. Um, for those who have just joined us, I'm joined in studio by two colleagues. Uh, um, one is Joanne Mettison, and the other one is Justice Indaba. And the issue at hand tonight is actually the with interrogating the, the presidential envoy uh, in a quest to try and, um, you know, crowding investment uh, to address, obviously, amongst others, the budget um, uh, a shortfall, inequality, job creation, all those beautiful things. And, and I continue that in as much as the president um, uh, his uh, venture is noble and, and, and welcome there are other processes that needs to be uh, streamlined so that we don't make promises that, that, can't, that can't be fulfilled uh, one of the issues that we were talking about in the main is the policy, policy certainty or uncertainty um, and part, talking of, of policy certainty around mining for an example we talked about you know the extent to which challenges around mining uh, could send wrong signal to would-be investors and the other one was obviously the the regulatory environment justice was giving us a sense of some of the reforms which 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 are taking place in that environment so that we are able to synchronize uh, all the activities um i think I still maintain that for us to move forward as a country, we really need to focus our attention um, around Africa in trade. Uh, You know, when you look at the continent, the extent to which we are trading with, with, with African countries, that could be a... Catalyst for any successful or even sustainable development, and I don't get a sense that we're focusing that much uh, 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 uh in as far as the you know the, the, the new thinking is concerned. At least in at least in practice, Justice seems to have a different view. <laughs> of course,
0: um Doc. If, you, if for instance, let's come back to the issue of African market. Um Obviously, I, 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 I support what. um my colleague here had said earlier in terms of what other companies as they went up to the rest of Africa they bent their fingers. Because it just goes to prove that Africa as a market is not homogeneous. In other words, gotta understand your ultimate destination and understand the cultures, understand everything else. But it's not cut and paste. It's not cut and paste. So you learn the hard way. Well, obviously, MTN and Vodacom have mastered that. Yeah. They've been there for almost 25 years or so now and and managed to survive. But for the rest of the others, Cheka seems to be doing it quite well by doing the culture thing very nicely. But having said that, the manner in which we will win the, the Africa trade issue is to... to to start with the regional blocks. Because, you see, what has happened now is you've got, for instance, the East, West Africa, the ECOWAS block. You need to sort out the SADEC block as a market in itself. Start there and do the rest of the different, because there's about four or five blocks. So you sort it out in terms of regions. If we cannot sort out uh, in terms of, for instance, the railway line, in terms of the border issues and so on, that's that we need to do. But Transnet, for instance, has started and uh, they've won a few contracts now in the railway uh, sector. So meaning that there's a railway that is going to shoot from here uh, through uh, uh, Mozambique up to the the northern part, which is Tete, and it can. C- there's a railway that is also been um, sooner will be done. Via Zambia. So you, you, you're sorting out those. And I had a uh, Minister of Transport yesterday talking about the possibility of changing Sandra uh, to make it a Southern African entity. You know, what does that mean? That means that Sandra can now go across into SADC and, and sort out the highways, for instance. So you sort out the road infrastructure you know so 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 those are the kinds of big ticket issues so once you sort out the region it becomes easier as a trading partner where you 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 make sure that between at least the SADC region which is about four or five countries we have intertrade that is seamless yeah, so so that there's, there's there's the start of that already. That is that I think is positive.
1: No, great to hear that, Kirui. Now, but the next point, maybe on this issue, as we're wrapping up the first um, uh, um, section of our conversation tonight, um, has to do again around the the policy uncertainty. Um, has to do with the S O E landscape, as mm. it were. And um, we know that there's me there's been progress around you know, appointing of Imports, the boards, yeah. suggesting so these individuals, and so on and so forth. Mm. And and I I'm not sure that there's uh, there's been sufficient interrogation of the business model and the financial model of these SOEs because that's where lies the bigger problem. Mm. The problem is not about substituting individuals. Yes, you may get, um, you know, competent individuals there and there, but if you don't fundamentally change the business model Mm. and the funding model of these entities, Mm. we're back to square one. Joanne?
2: Nimrod, I would agree with you, but that is going to take a long time because a lot of it is regulatory Mm. If you look at an application for funding in terms of Section 51 and 54 of the PFMA, you have to make an application to National Treasury and to the uh, relevant minister. And that process for getting funding Mm. can take a year, maybe two years, Mm. maybe longer, during which time the opportunity is gone. So to change the legislation is going to take a long time. I do think it's absolutely critical to have the right board members. The only thing I worry about quick changes that we've seen, and I understand and I support the reasons, is that there probably wasn't time to do a proper matrix of what skills each board needs, Mm. not only for the business of today, but the business for five years' time. Mm. And these board changes, because of a crisis, happened in a big hurry. So there needs to be much greater coordination between Mm. all the different regulatory frameworks. I mean, there's talk now of central procurement. From what we know, that is open to terrible abuse That hasn't progressed further. We don't know what our current president's thinking is on that, whether he's going to go ahead with that and whether he can put safeguards in place so that it isn't a hub of corruption or whether he has another idea. So absolutely, an ethical board, an enabling regulatory environment and access to quick funding to take uh, advantage of opportunities are all critical elements for the business model of the SOEs.
1: Mm. And by the way, these are very complex issues that require time, and, and we all agree we don't have time. But in the same in the same vein, uh, we need to you know because um, if if you're not rushing to the quick fixes, um, some of them they in a the long term, may even do more damage. Mm. And that will require resources to fix. but anyway, uh, I'm sure we've got competent individuals within the presidency uh, to to try and resolve these issues. Who knows, maybe in one of the forthcoming seminars that the president has spoken about, he'll begin to, to, to present or at least give uh, um, you know, South Africans um, or captains of industry who are competent to try and provide solution to some of these very complex issues we're talking about tonight. Now, moving on swiftly, we've got the second item or the second item of the tonight's show. It's got to do with this lingering stain of stain-off, like stain, eh? It doesn't want to go away. Stay instead of Here's an issue for me. I mean that I just find it completely bizarre. I mean, um, how <coughs> Joanne, I just want you to help me out here. The 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 ex the former chairperson um, received close to two hundred three hundred and twenty five million pounds at the back of the company that lost close to ninety four percent of its value since since the accounting scandal started. How do you reconcile the two?
2: Nomura, I think very, very simplistically <laughs> you can't. <laughs> um, but to delve deeper into it, I think generally if one looks at integrated reports, it's quite difficult to look at the accretive value which links remuneration to uh, remuneration paid to directors with the achievement of the strategy. I've often found in in being a judge on integrated reports that that is one of the consistent weaknesses, and I think that that link needs to be shown much more clearly. But I also think if you look at one of the principles of the JSEs, which is to treat all shareholders fairly, if, in fact, there is that kind of money available, which I have great difficulty in getting my mind around, because Steinoff, the one thing that has been pre- predominant in all the discussions about this, their problems is that they have a cash flow problem, and they've been selling assets as fast as they can mm. to alleviate the cash flow problem. It's mind-boggling. Problem. Yes. <laughs> so mind-boggling. So... Uh, so where did they find the 325 million euros? And what I would say in the interests of equal treatment to all shareholders, if in fact that money is available, alleviate the pain of all shareholders and declare a special dividend. Because as I mentioned earlier, we are in a, an environment where you have two licenses to operate, a social license and a commercial license. And I think it would go some way in the public and stakeholders and specifically shareholders having some kind of faith that the business could re- restore so, at least some parts of itself to a sustainable business. As if
1: that's not enough, I mean, help me think here, I'll reconcile this. I mean, we have other three board members who submitted a proposal that they also needed to be compensated for some work that, that was done, and, and I, I, I just, the audacity... I mean, as, as a shareholder, i be asking, asking myself that question. The audacity of a board member demanding um, some level of compensation at the back of a company. By the way, these are shareholders. Mm-hmm. These are board members who failed in applying their financial responsibility because if the CEO did not mislead them or if they were present, I would argue, they would have been able to pick up some of the issues which they now claim that they were misled on and for you to even go to an extent of requiring or demanding which, which by the way they subsequently withdraw um, um, that, 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 that proposal uh, the thought of submitting it in the first place was just bizarre
2: I think it talks to the lack of ethics mm. which is the most fundamental principle of any board um I think, in the current environment where people have experienced so much pain it it 's absolutely iniquitous there's there 's no justification for it at all and um, I think particularly that they were the directors where all this all these scandals and transgressions happened under their watch. Mm. There is no Agreed. justification and if you look at section seventy seven mm. of the um, Companies Act, all the issues that look like they could be sued in their personal capacity for. There's a long list there, (laughs) you know, signing annual financial Mm. statements that are misleading or fraudulent um, representing a, po- a perhaps even the one that is difficult to prove but could very well be correct is that if somebody was on the board mm. and there at the time and had doubts about a decision and didn't bring it to the attention of the other board mm. he has a personal liability of Absolutely. course if you can prove such a thing which mm. I would imagine is not easy to prove
1: which, which, which brings me to this issue um, around the, the the profile of the board which is supposedly the creme de la cream I would put it. Very competent. You know, very board. competent you these are the, professional. Qualifications. the qualifications. They have managed and headed uh, multiple transactions and acquisitions. Surely um it begins to ask some 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 you know deep questions around the the relationships because I would venture that um you know the body system has been at play because when you look at evolution of these companies, mm. wherein I can bring justice, I can bring joy, and because of my buddies, you know, because of the power relations between the founding member of an entity and supposedly friends or colleagues or God knows who, you can't challenge me, you know, and and that tends to perpetuate this this almost like demagogue status of certain individuals. Mm. What's your take on that? Would, would that capture, um, you know, the the, 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 the this kind of rot that it means, that is so chronic um, within, within, within Starno.
2: I think, Nimrod, the evolution of a family-owned company to a professionally listed company is very difficult. I think you need very strong individuals to understand that you can't go from the buddy-buddy, that you have to go from the buddy-buddy system <laughs> to appointing directors through a proper, transparent, professional Process. Mm. Um, And once you have that, because what it appears here from what I've read is that there was a high level of trust between the directors. Mm. And so they weren't challenged. And my mantra for 2018 is show me the evidence.
1: Show me the money. Show me me the money. (laughs)
2: Absolutely. So, where there was a question about the in intercomp- uh, off-balance sh- off sheet relationships and uh, related party transaction. the board was given assurance that everything was above board. But did the board and the audit committee ask for the supporting evidence Mm. and I suspect in a high uh, trust uh, environment that they didn't actually ask for this and I know in my own environment if my staff come to me with anything I always say go back to the source (laughs) go back to the evidence and I think that mantra has got to be played out critically so that it doesn't feel that when you're asking for somebody from somebody show me the substance show me the evidence that it doesn't feel like you questioning their integrity that it's part of the culture it's ingrained in the way you do business so that you don't c- get caught down the line when it's too late
1: two questions imagine uh, imagine for me i mean when you look at this 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 issue that at the first really is relatively simple but very complex because you know human factor has sort of messed it up in a way one is the shield activism um, because now we have a business case for shareholder to be much more involved in operations by asking questions by reading material, um, the other issue that is coming up for me is the you know the the role of auditors because when you look at all these scandals, your big five has always been there, and we found wanting.
2: No, to go to the first question, remember, in the New Companies Act under Section 66, the Board of Directors has original power to manage the business mm. and affairs of the company. The only remedy that the shareholder has, if they have concerns, is to change the composition of the board. So they do not have a right to get operationally involved Legally. So, what has happened is you've had the rise of shareholder activism because the board hasn't been doing its duty. So, I think it's symptomatic. Of a failure of governance mm. issues, when yeah. you're seeing a lot yeah. of shareholder gov- yeah. um, activism, yeah. and unfortunately, that is fortunately or unfortunately, that is the environment that we yeah. live in. But all the stakeholders, particularly shareholders, have to manage those relationships that are always in the best interest of the company.
1: We've got we've got just before you come in, Jarba, Uh, We've got King 4 as the almost like uh, a framework that that these kinds of blue-chip companies mirror their activities around. What does it say when we have this colossal of, of governance failure, when we have this kind of very competent individual? What does it say to someone who who is reminded from time to time to use KING4 in other global framework as the benchmark to to follow. And we've got this colossal failure. What does that really say?
2: Well, Nimrod, you can never regulate human behavior. KING4 in many ways talks to people who are already ethical. What it's saying to them is you have a set of values that there's no debate about it. You agree with them, with with those values encapsulated in King 4 and previous governance documents. But what it is doing is giving you an enabling framework to carry out An ethical business relationship But you can never regulate Human behavior And that's why it's so important To get the culture of a company right Which starts with the board And it must trickle down Into the entire organization And everybody must know That if they transgress They will all be treated equally The law will take its course
0: I I can't agree with her more I think the what, you know, uh, I'm reminded of the an article I read by a guy called Ted Black, who who wrote about this matter, because I think what he pointed out, which I think supports Joanne's point, is that fundamentally boards are ineffective, irrespective of the competency that you have there. This is because of the manner in which they are made to function, because by the time a a CFO comes and puts uh, graphs and bar charts on the table, it's a rear view view mirror. It's, It's a bit late. So, meaning that we're going to have to change the way in which we assess information No, as, but I'm, as no, no, but
1: no, no, let me just interject. That can't work because that's the reason why we've got board committees that elevated an issues to the board for them to consider. But, I mean, either we're using wrong analysis or whatever the case
0: might be because many of the times... Um, information is brought mm. to these board of directors, and yet they sign on and they sign off, meaning that the manner in which they assess information is 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 a bit skewed because it it means that we have to reassess how we. That's my point, and that's Ted Black's point to say, look, perhaps because many of the times when the CFOs bring information of especially financial information uh, they bring you um, uh, your normal uh, reviews you know he argues that we need to begin to 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 to, to assess return on, ass, uh, on assets for instance as a fundamental point because by the time you ask auditors to come, it's, it's it's historical information. That's the point because it's every every three months, every four months, every six months, every year. So uh, return on assets, you are able to look at these on a regular basis. Even, even And it's not being part of the operation. So he argues that. But also the issue that you mentioned of the shareholder activism is fundamental. And we are lucky in this case that um Steinhoff as the Professor Yanni Rosso. Um I, I also just found out that in fact he's one of the shareholders. Yes. So <laughs> a minority shareholder. So so, so so but I find that the for instance when you read his open letter to other shareholders, it's fundamental findings that he has. And I mean I I agree with his point to say if you were a bank would you give such a company that has shared eighty five percent of its uh Market capitalization, and you still continue to give them more money,
1: would you? Let's say with the same analogy: if uh, the son of board, okay, was in the public sector, what would have been the the response?
0: <laughs> well, look, th- the, the the issue of stand... Uh, issue to the, fundamentally, to the, the, there would be more coverage than we have seen, be, you know, obviously because it uh, public is taxpayers' money and so on and so forth. Even though I think that there has been coverage for Steinhoff, it's just that it is not sufficient. And the information that has has, has come through, most of it is not all of it in the public eye. Um, And until recently, really, with the activism of Yanni Rousseau, some of the fundamental information we wouldn't have known because he's brought on board key information that is tabled that was not even published by, by even the the supervisory board that has just come on. So, I mean, uh, we relying more now on information that Johnny puts out. Uh, so we need more coverage of standoff or the likes of them. John, your part is short?
2: I would say it would be different in the public sector because, as I mentioned earlier, it's a lot <coughs> harder to get funding to bail yourself out of the problem. <laughs> so... As you know, in the public uh, sector, the shareholder uh, uh, represented by the the minister in government has a much bigger say than the board, and so it could go anyway. But in some ways there's less accountability in the public sector because it is the minister who, who to a large extent makes the decisions and that divests the board of a lot of its powers.
1: Folks, thank you very much Unfortunately, we only have that for tonight I I sincerely hope that um, listeners have been able to to grab certain issues And and my word, these are very complex issues I don't even have answers for But our role as a collective is to present these issues And perhaps maybe plant a scene on In terms of how to think some of the issues differently Mm. Uh, We don't claim to know everybody We don't claim to know everything Uh, by the way, but uh, collectively we we were able to push the boundaries even further in terms of interrogating some of these issues. Well, I guess that's it for me tonight, and until we meet again, have a good one.